means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the February 20th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Ladies first on Tuesday show. Let's give a Sunny Side of Sports birthday salute to Kenyan marathon runner Bridget Koske, who is celebrating her 30th birthday on this Tuesday. Bridget is the former women's world record holder in the marathon. She clocked two hours, 14 minutes, and four seconds at the Chicago Marathon in 2019. Her record was broken last year by Ethiopia's Tigist Asefa at the Berlin Marathon. She finished in two hours, 11 minutes, and 53 seconds. Birthday girl Bridget Koske has five titles in the World Marathon Majors. She's won the Chicago Marathon twice in 2018 and 2019, the London Marathon twice in 2019 and 2020, as well as the Tokyo Marathon in 2021. And speaking of Tokyo... Kuske also won the silver medal in the women's marathon at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. With the 2024 Paris Olympics scheduled to begin July 26th in the French capital, this is a big year for Bridget Kuske and other top African athletes. And Bridget realizes she first must be selected for the Kenyan Olympic team. After winning the Abu Dhabi Marathon last month in a course record time of 2 hours, 19 minutes, and 15 seconds, Bridget Koske said, and I quote, Kenya has strong marathon runners, and it's not easy to get into the final three. If I'm selected, it would be really great for me to compete in my second Olympics. If not, I will concentrate on other major marathons. Happy 30th birthday, Bridget Koske, one of Kenya's top marathon runners. Hi, my name is Julius Diego, former world javelin champion and Olympic silver medalist. And you are listening to the Sony side of sports on The Voice of America. The Voice of America is once again a proud broadcasting partner of the Men's Basketball Africa League, or BAL, which tips off its fourth season on March 9th in Pretoria, South Africa. The South African Games will make up the new Kalahari Conference, which features four teams, Cape Town Tigers of South Africa, Dynamo Basketball Club of Burundi, FUS Rabat Basketball Club of Morocco, and Petro de Luanda of Angola. This will be the first time the BAL has held games in South Africa, from Pretoria, the BAL will move to Cairo, Egypt for Nile Conference games from April 19th to April 27th. And then the league will hold games in Dakar, Senegal, where Sahara Conference action will take place from May 4th to May 12th at the Dakar Arena. The 2024 BAL playoffs and finals are scheduled from May 24th to June 1st. Australian coach Liz Mills will be leading Bangui Sporting Club of Central African Republic in Egypt in April when the BAL Nile Conference games are played. I asked Coach Mills last year 
about the BAL expanding to more African countries in the future. I definitely see the league expanding over the next couple of years. Um, I think it would be a great way for more countries to be involved in the league as well as open the league up to more fans. Um, I do know that, you know, in the original version of the league, we were traveling home and away. And, you know, like with most leagues around the world, BAL had to adapt due to COVID. I think eventually, though, you know, five, six, ten years down the line, um, we'll see the league played more like in the NBA league in home and away, multiple um, clubs participating um, and definitely expanding beyond the 12 teams that currently play in the league. Um, I do hope that we see this as a way to also help improve basketball on the continent. More countries mean that we see more investment, but also we see improvement on a playing level as well as coaching level. So there's so many benefits to the league expanding. And I think the important thing is not to expand too soon. And you want to make sure that the league that we're developing right now has the um, the capabilities of expanding that at that level. And I know we'll see that soon, but it's important to really focus on what we're doing right now and making it the best possible league for the teams that are participating in it at the moment. Coach, the BAL has been promoting gender equity initiatives as the only female head coach in the league. Which initiatives do you like? The BAL has multiple um, social responsibility initiatives, which I love. Um, one of them is Trees for Trees, which um, I participated in last year with my former team, where we were actually one of the highest scoring three-point teams in the league, and we got to plant a lot of trees when we went to Kigali, Rwanda. And obviously, one that's very close to my heart is the BAL for Her program, which is a great initiative um, promoting women across all aspects of basketball. And I think this really is where the BAL is leading the way. As a female participating in the league, even though I'm the only female coach, there are, is, there are women throughout the organization. You know, we have female referees, we have female game commissioners, we have female officials on the, on the sidelines, um, we have female cameramen, we have female uh, commentators, we have females in all aspects of the BAL operations. And so you never fit feel alone even th even though it is a men's league there is the presence of women everywhere across the league and i'd say it's probably the only men's professional league in the world where that is the case and so bal is really leading the way in terms of gender equality um, i do hope though in the future we do see some more female coaches that would be amazing and even last year um, coach caddy from dhaka university was an assistant coach for the senegalese club team so in the future, I hope to see more coaches, but I do know that the league is looking to, to promote this as well. And I, I have no doubt that I will be one of many in the next couple of years. Like you, coach, I grew up playing multiple sports. What was the spark that ignited your passion for coaching? I was really lucky to grow up in Sydney, Australia with my twin sister, where our parents encouraged us to play multiple sports. There's plenty of research out there that talks to the advantage of playing multiple sports before you decide on a specific discipline. And I always encourage the athletes that I work with when I was working with juniors to play multiple sports and not 
um, get too specific too early. And so um, my sister and I actually started our sporting careers as netball players. And it was only when we were about 10 years old that we stumbled across basketball. Uh, it was the Women's National Basketball League in Australia. And at the time, it was really... Um, it had great female basketball players in Lauren Jackson and Penny Taylor, who went on to have amazing WNBA careers, as well as having so many female head coaches, which was rare in the 90s and early 2000s. And Coach Carrie Graff, in particular, was coaching one of the WNBL teams. And when I saw her marching up and down the sidelines, she was a successful, strong, intelligent woman. And as a 10-year-old, that left a deep impression on me. Um, it's probably the reason why I ended up becoming a coach because it planted a seed early on that as a woman, I could be a leader and I could be successful. And so I think without doubt, if as a 10-year-old, I hadn't have turned on that TV and seen that visible female role model, I probably might not have ended up as a coach. So this is why even now in my career, I try to be as visible as possible because you never know who you're inspiring by just doing what you're doing. Are there other basketball coaches who inspire you and who you really admire? I've been inspired by a number of coaches throughout my career. Uh, but fundamentally, first and foremost, Coach Carrie Graff has had the biggest impact. Without seeing her be so successful in the WNBL and WNBA, I probably never would have thought about being a coach. And so this speaks to having a visible female role model to look up to. And then I would say one of my biggest mentors has been Rex Nottage in Sydney, Australia. I met him when I came back to Australia in 2013 to do my master's in coaching degree and he was part of the program and he had a wealth of knowledge coaching all around the world. And I, in terms of my technical abilities, I learned the most under him. Uh, but overall, I would say a coach that I deeply admire is Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, he's he embodies everything that I think is really important in a coach, placing the player-coach role relationship as basically the foundation of coaching. Um, and I know that hopefully one day I would have a big, as big an impact as he has had on the basketball world, um, and he's someone that I deeply admire and hope that my career replicates a tiny bit of what he has achieved. That's Australian basketball coach Liz Mills, who will be guiding Bangui Sporting Club of Central African Republic during season four of the Men's Basketball Africa League. And that interview was originally broadcast last year on the sunny side of sports. African men's football. South Africa's national team, Bafana Bafana, received a warm welcome home after its bronze medal performance at the recent Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Ivory Coast. It was the first time Bafana Bafana has been on the AFCON podium since 2000. In this encore sunny side of sports presentation, Myron Nika reports from Durban, South Africa. Hundreds of fans flocked to the Or Tambo International Airport in Johannesburg to welcome home Bafana Bafana. With their bronze medals around their necks, the team walked out to a thunderous applause. 
Their third place at AFCON 2023 has seen them climb up the latest FIFA rankings to 58th from 66th. They are now also ranked 10th on the continent, their highest position in a decade. The South African Football Association president, Danny Jordan, was on hand to welcome the team. Well, this is a scene that we have not had for football. And this team, produced by our coach, Hugo Bruce, is a new team. We want to pay tribute to this man sitting here, Hugo Bruce. We came very close, coach, very, very close. It was a penalty shootout. That is how close we came to make it to the final. And if we had gone there, we would have won it. Bafana is united again. Bafana is a family again. Bafana is winning again. Captain Ronwyn Williams, who kept five clean sheets at the tournament, praised his teammates for their professional attitude and united front. I'm just proud of the boys for the brotherhood. First of all, the brotherhood we had, you know, from day one. You know, the spirit amongst us has been good. And I think that is one of the reasons we've been successful, is the spirit, the group, the togetherness. It's, it's been, you know, amazing to see. And, you know, like I said, they made things so easy for me as a captain. And I just want to thank everyone for the support, for all the messages. Bafana's performance comes off the back of the national women's team, Banyana Banyana, winning the WAFCON title in Morocco last year. On the club front, Mamelodi Sundowns recently won the inaugural African Football League, while their women's team won the CAF Champions League last year. After missing out on AFCON qualification in 2021, Safa moved swiftly to bring in coach Hugo Bruce, who won the Continental Prize with Cameroon back in 2017. Bruce transformed the team, bringing in a fresh crop of players, making them believe in themselves. He says South Africa's showing at AFCON will further catapult football in the country. But now they know in Europe who South Africa is. They knew about Mamelodi Sundowns. Yeah, okay, yeah, Mamelodi Sundowns, a very good team, yeah. But now they know it. And therefore it's very important that the national team plays good, that the national team can show themselves on a tournament like this who was followed by 100 million people. But what is the challenge for South African football in the coming years? Mark Fish, the former Charlton Athletic defender who was part of the AFCON winning South African team of 1996, says consistency at all levels is what is needed now. This is a this AFCON has been a major boost for South African football in the sense that the performance, yes, getting a bronze medal, meaning that um, we are doing many good things but not necessarily enough to make sure that we are constantly qualifying for AFCONs and not going there just to make up the numbers, but to compete. So, again, this African Nations Cup, this tournament, the, the team has put themselves up there. We've put South Africa back on the African continent, back on the mark, and making sure that this performance is something that we will live up to and even surpass in AFCONs to come. Fish, who won the CAF Champions League with Orlando Pirates in 1995, believes South African clubs must take continental football seriously. He reckons that will snowball into further success for the national team. This is key for the teams in South Africa, knowing that competing on the continent, making the strength, and 
again, I think that if you have teams, South Africa competing on the com continent and doing well and lifting trophies, no matter the other countries, if their players are playing abroad, we have players playing abroad as well, but it would put fear and understanding into teams coming to play in South Africa, knowing that we know how to play um, con against continental teams and playing against uh, the different countries on the continent. The men's team have restored a sense of pride in South African football. The big desire from supporters, though, is to see the team back on the world stage. That is Bruce's next target. Bafana Bafana will face Nigeria in a crucial 2026 World Cup qualifier in June. Before that, they'll take on Andorra and Algeria in international friendlies. I'm Myron Nika in Durban, South Africa. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My X, formerly known as Twitter handle, is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to voaafrica.com, you can listen online to the sunny side of sports as well as past episodes. Check out voaafrica.com for lots of Africa news. For world news, go to voanews.com. English Premier League football on the sunny side of sports. In Monday's only EPL match, Everton and visiting Crystal Palace drew one all with players from Africa both getting on the score sheet. The Ghanaian Jordan Ayew put Crystal Palace up 1-0 on a superb strike in the 66th minute. But Senegal-born Amadou Onana, who plays for Belgium's national team, scored the equalizer on a header in the 84th minute. Now, the result moved Everton out of the relegation zone to 17th place with 20 points. Crystal Palace, meanwhile, is in 15th position, five points ahead of Everton. It was also Palace's first match under new manager Oliver Glasner, who replaced Roy Hodgson. Last week, amid reports that he was about to get the boot, the 76-year-old Hodgson was taken to a hospital. After becoming ill during a training session, he has since been released from the hospital. This was his 36th career Premier League. He also played for Swansea City and Aston Villa in the Premier League. Jordan Ayew also scored both of Ghana's goals last month in their two-all draw with Mozambique at the Africa Cup of Nations and Ivory Coast. It was a disappointing Nations Cup for Ghana a four-time champion of African football's premier event. The Black Stars of Ghana had one loss and two draws and did not advance out of the group phase. 
among the international football followers, giving the 34th Africa Cup of Nations high marks for excitement is Mario Leo, the CEO of Result Sports. In an interview with Iron Mike Mbonye, Mario said it was a marvelous tournament. The AFCON has been absolutely amazing. It's been been fantastic to watch the twists and turns, um, the the favorites, the expectations going out there, Mike. It's been been absolutely incredible to watch, and I'm I'm really really pleased with with the standard of the tournament. Um, Cote d'Ivoire has has been shown as a fantastic host. Um, many of the many of the games were were full. The stadium was was uh, was exciting. The atmosphere was was buzzing. Obviously, with the tremendous kind of evolution of Cote d'Ivoire themselves, yeah, by almost being out, just saved by a single goal um, in the group stage match um, at the end of the group stage, uh, and then yeah, got their got their confidence and and got their journey and got their game plan and and match plan and match luck. Um, that they've uh, beaten Nigeria at the end. Um, most surprisingly, obviously, that none of the North Africa teams kind of managed uh, to to reach the final four. Um, very, very surprising because obviously they started with huge expectation, but it's also um, a learning, not a learning, but but sort of the, the, the new reality um, in African football. There are no minors, there are no minors. Um, African football is there to excite and, and teams with a clear plan like uh, Cap Verde, uh, Dominican, uh, Dom- uh, Democratic Republic of Congo have been really, really tremendously well organized, a great set of play. Um, and that's a big kind of assessment. So congratulations to CAF yeah, organizing this or hosting this, this tournament. Congratulations to Cote d'Ivoire for becoming the new African champion. Um, of the 34th edition. It's been an exciting, exciting tournament. Can you tell Sunny Side of Sports listeners the rating of some teams after the AFCON tournament in Ivory Coast? Absolutely, Mike. Um, I'm, I'm very happy and very glad to share kind of the latest uh, social media numbers uh, from the tournament. So prior to the tournament, there was about 60 million followers um, for the 24 participating nations and the AFCON accounts by themselves. AFCON in total um, reached 24 million of those, which is about 42, 43%. Um, and the majority of those were obviously um, the strongest was was Twitter with 6.5 million, uh, Facebook with 6.3 million, Instagram with close to 4 million, and TikTok with 5.7 million. Um, and the evolution has been tremendous and, and you will be really, really almost shocked to learn, yeah, because the TikTok profile alone, TikTok being a partner of, of the AFCON conference as well, alone gained 2.5 million followers. So from 5.7 million, we're we are now at 8.2 million for the TikTok account of, of CAF's online channel, uh, a tremendous progress. And CAF overall gained about 4 million followers because they gained about 1 million or close to 1 million on Instagram, more than 200k on YouTube, more than 200K on Facebook and about 100K on, on Twitter, which is at the moment, obviously, because of image and everything, a little bit struggling in, in terms of growing the audiences. So CAF has exceeded now or surpassed 28 million followers. From a club perspective, obviously, the, the big surprise package from a team, it's not a surprise because obviously they, they always have been rated very high, is Nigeria. 
The Super Eagles gained 540,000 followers, uh, predominantly 300k of those on, on the Instagram for the national team. And, and obviously the, the reaching the final and, and being beaten by the host Cote d'Ivoire have really helped tremendously the Super Eagles reputation and image across social media. Um, and therefore, yeah, the, the Super Eagles have been flying high on social media very, very strongly. Um, second strongest from a profile perspective has been Morocco, although exited very early the, the tournament um, in the quarterfinals. They gained also 500k followers, 420 of those on Instagram. Um, so it's very, very clear. Cotiva is the winner, um, gained a total of 10% new followers, about 230k to a total now of 2.5 million. So those are the three key areas. But just, just one exciting number. For example, Angola yeah, started the tournament with a with 60,000 followers across all their channel and ended the tournament with 150,000. So they more than doubled their, their social media community. Demo Democratic Republic of Congo started their, their social media community with 70K and ended up with 130K, so almost doubled. And you can see all the countries who are kind of made significant process like Cape Verde, gained 45% their social media following all the countries gained. Um, and that's the benefit and shows the excitement of the tournament. Some upsets were recorded at the recently concluded AFCON tournament. Do you think it's the sign of improvement in African football? For me, there were, there were no upsets, to be honest, Mike, uh, because obviously it's, it's, it's the way the, com the teams approach the competition. Players are proud to represent their country and the countries are very proud that they are represented their national team at AFCON and have qualified for AFCON. So that center stage being the biggest event in African football um, is obviously the the biggest kind of evolution and sign of improvement. Um, and, and you could see that obviously sometimes teams yeah, who, who claim to be favorite, they had tremendous players, yeah, star players um, who everywhere around the world, but they didn't act as a team. And countries like Cape Verde, Angola, Mali, who've been, been really, really focusing or Democratic Republic of, Co of Congo as well, who've been really focusing on their strong unit, yeah, their bond between the team. Every player knew what they have to do to kind of um, succeed. And, and, and those countries obviously has, has been officially to the outside people who are not following African football, maybe an upset. But when you look into African football and the way they've kind of evolved the game and the way they qualified for it, those countries were the ones when the easiest or first ones to qualify. So there are no small teams, there are no minnows and minors anymore. African football overall is, is evolving is is bringing up to the stage and let's hope yeah we will see maybe two or three countries reaching the quarterfinals or maybe even two reaching the semifinals at the next global stage the world cup 2026 in in america um and in the americas with canada usa and mexico hosting the tournament so thanks for having me on the show i look forward to hear from you very soon that's Mario Leo, the CEO of Result Sports. And Mario spoke with Iron Mike Mbonier on the telephone from Germany. My name is Mario Leo. I'm the founder and chief executive of Result Sports. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Mario. And thanks also to Iron Mike Mbonier for that interview. 
This week on Straight Talk Africa. The 37th summit of the African Union gathered regional and world leaders in Ethiopia at a time when parts of the continent have experienced multiple coups and growing instability. The summit also addressed the need to build resilient education systems. Join me, Heidi Adams, for a discussion on the role and significance of the AU in building a stronger African continent. This Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. Around the clock, the Voice of America keeps you in touch with the latest news. Tune in at the top of every hour, every day of the week. For the five-minute VOA newscast. We bring you reports from our correspondents and interviews with newsmakers from around the globe. Give us five minutes and we'll give you the world. VOA, your trusted source for news and information. Finally, let's give another sunny side of sports birthday salute to Charles Barkley, the Hall of Fame basketball player who is celebrating his 61st birthday on this Tuesday. Barkley, now a popular basketball television analyst. Happy birthday, Chuck! And that wraps up the February 20th edition of the show. Thanks to producer Nabil Biagio. Thanks also to our engineer this evening, Audrius Regis. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.